Today, it's all about the Toms talking about moving from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. For the majority of my life, I have been passionate and dedicated about changing lives and growing businesses through synthesizing from the very best their strategies, their tactics, their mindset techniques to help you and your business grow. Join me as we take it to the next level. Hey everybody, welcome to welcome the Tom Ferry Show. Show. Super excited to have the world famous Tom Bilyeu with us today. Um, Tom, for for maybe the you know 15 or 20 people out there that are you know watching on YouTube, our coaching clients that have not been exposed to um, you, one of your interviews, Impact Theory, take a minute and just give them a little backstory. Who is yeah. who is this kid from Tacoma, and how did you yes, get here? Yeah, that that is a very good question. Sometimes I'm even uh, a little surprised by how I ended up sure. here. Uh, started in Tacoma, uh, went to film school at USC, graduated from film school, felt totally lost, had, had no idea how to break into the industry. This is back in the late 90s, mm -hmm. where to even do a low budget film is gonna be $100,000. I didn't know anybody with money. There was no one in my family that had that kind of money. To me, I was just telling somebody this yesterday, to me $100,000 was the equivalent of like $10 million. It was just sure. an unattainable amount of money. Yes. So I'm totally lost, I don't know what to do, and that sends me very close to depression. And in that state, I'm looking for some other way to think, to believe, and while Carol Dweck had not yet written the book Mindset, I stumble upon the ideas that she'll end up coalescing into the growth mindset. And then when I meet these two guys who are very successful entrepreneurs, and I'd always promised myself two things when I was growing up in a morbidly obese family as a chubby kid in Tacoma, that one day I would have six pack abs and one day I'd be rich. Yes. And those are my two promises. And so I meet these guys and they're yoked and they're rich. And yes. so I'm like, hey. Yeah. So they Model. were like, look, we're starting this new company. It's a tech company. Why don't you come with us? And because right now you're coming to the film industry with your handout. And mm -hmm. what you need to do is learn to control the resources and then you can control your art. So I was like, okay, wow. Hold on, hold on control the resources and you can control your art. There's just little nuggets that you're saying yeah, that yeah. I know a lot of our longtime followers are, are probably taking notes and you're talking fast and I love it. Okay. Yeah, sorry. I actually no, no, no. rise speed in, in speech, so you keep up. No, no, no. I love it. I'm the same thing. I'm like, put it on fast. But I want to go back for just a second. Yeah. I know I'm interrupting. No, please. Um, I remember watching an interview or maybe it was a live talk where you were talking about um, the experience of going away to college. Yeah. Right? So, so so, so many of the people that are watching this right now, they are entrepreneurs, they're real estate professionals, they're in the mortgage business. They achieve at a level that, you know, compared to their competition, they are all rock stars. Right. And yet, every one of them experienced what you experienced, and, and to a certain degree I experienced growing up as, as young people. Mm. That our parents maybe weren't as supportive, or they were supportive in different ways. You told a story about your mom, like saying, go to college, but she didn't really want you to go. Yeah. Well, tell, share that little message because there were so many insights in that conversation and when you finally left and what it was like. Right. Before so, the six-pack abs and everything yeah, else. Sorry. Yeah, so when she was sending me, a, when I was supposed to go to college, I had this moment of panic. Mm -hmm. uh, all of my friends stayed in state. There was only one kid from my high school that left the state. And so I kind of wanted to go where they were all going even though I wanted to be a filmmaker. And so yeah. there was, I hit a roadblock in the process of actually getting into the school. And I said to my mom, well, maybe I should just stay here and go to the state school. And she was like, absolutely not. Like, you've got to go chase your dreams and literally kick me out of the nest. Yes. Now, as soon as she kicked me out, she spent every day after that trying to bring me back. So one day, this was probably, I don't know, seven years ago. I said, all right, you're still trying to get me back, like almost 20 years later. Yeah. Like, why did you were the one that kicked me out of the nest? Like, I never would have left. Yeah. And she just, with no malice whatsoever, was like, I always assumed you would fail. And I was like, whoa, because my mom was always my biggest cheerleader. Yes. And by that point, I'd had a lot of worldly success. Yes. So I had to laugh. I was like, 
wow, that was your strategy. She was like, absolutely. I did not want you to yes. ask what if. Yes. But she was like, in high school, you didn't show any signs of success. You were so lazy. So yes. she was like, I just assumed you'd go to college, you'd fail, mm -hmm. knew you would at least had tried it, and then you'd come home. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. And I said, mom, thank you. That is a gift. Like to mm -hmm. know in retrospect that you doubted me, but yes. you were always encouraging, yes. always pushed me, like really yes. believed in me, my biggest cheerleader. But that even you quietly assumed I would fail. Yes. Was that was because that's how I felt about myself in every respect except one. Yes. And the one was I had ambition. And so knowing that like I have this has definitely been an against the odds success. Yes. So So back to the story of meeting your first partner. I just I love that story and, and that was for the record, that was just for me. All right. So back to the story of meeting your partners. Yeah, so they were entrepreneurs and this is really, I mean, now entrepreneurism is so hot yeah. that I bet most people know how to spell it, but yeah. I didn't even know how to spell it. Yeah. So I kind of had heard the word, literally, like yes. people need to put me in context. Yes. I'm not a born entrepreneur in any way, shape or form. I meet these two guys that give me a key piece of information, which is to come into the world with your handout. Mm -hmm. And I was like, actually, that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And so they were like, dude, just come with us and get rich. And I was like, yeah, go with you, learn business, get rich. This sounds easy. Yes. And so literally we were on an 18 month timeline. Mm -hmm. They said it'll take us about 18 months to build this new tech company up and sell it. Mm -hmm. So I was like, yeah, cool. 18 months, of course, turns into eight and a half years. Yes. Uh, an emotional crisis around year six where mm -hmm. I go in and quit and I'm just like, this is ridiculous. I can't do this. So we were building this technology company. I didn't care about it. I spent every day showing up, chasing money. I was only thinking about money mm -hmm. and it was just a grind. And I was working literally around the clock. So not taking days off. Only thinking about money and it was a grind. Yeah, 100%. I know that's gonna show up later in this conversation. Yeah, for sure. For so sure. What, was the, what was the tipping point? Of realizing I couldn't do that anymore? Yeah. Emotional devastation. Like there, pain is amazing. Pain is powerful. Pain yes. is a direction pointer, mm -hmm. a compass, I think they're called. Yes. Uh, and it, most people break and the pain becomes too much and, and they just let themselves slip into that lethargy that then ultimately evolves into a depression and they never stop, pick their head up and say, what the hell's going on? Mm -hmm. um, that at least I knew I wasn't willing to do. So as things were getting really bad, and by that I mean you wake up on a Monday morning, you absolutely dread your life. When you go to bed on a Sunday night, it's nothing but misery, you're living for the weekend, mm -hmm. that the literal geography of the office, like there was a cloud over it for me. So as I would drive into Marina Del Rey, it's beautiful beautiful. Mm -hmm. And as I would drive in, I was just like, oh God, like I dreaded it yeah. so much. And these two guys who I used to consider two of my closest friends, now I was like, I don't even want to see them. I don't want to be around them. Like they're totally associated with that for me. Mm -hmm. So I said to my wife, I want to feel alive again. That's it. Like that was all I understood or knew. I just yeah. want to feel alive. I want to do something that, I didn't have these words at the time, yes. but now I want to do something that gives more energy than it takes. Yep. And so I was literally, I wasn't going to quit. I did quit. I walked in, I said, here's your equity back. By that point I'd earned equity and the company just threw sweat. Yes. And guys, I'm moving to Greece. This is all true. Moving to Greece with my wife who is Greek and I'm finally gonna like really learn the language. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna write and we're gonna like cut our expenses to the quick. Thank you guys so much. Like, trust me, you could sell the company for a billion dollars tomorrow. You will never hear from me. I'm not one of those embittered guys. I'm yes. leaving because I'm unhappy. Yes. And that, so that was the breaking point. I just knew I didn't want to be unhappy like that anymore. So what switched? Because you stayed for obviously a few more years. I did. So I'm literally driving home. So imagine that. They're sitting there like, what the hell just happened? We've yeah. been working together for six years yep. and built a company. On paper, I was a multimillionaire by that point and literally gave it all back. Mm -hmm. And so they were just like, 
stunned. Yeah. And so I'm pulling into my driveway. I am on the phone to my wife, and I'm like, I did it. I quit. We're moving to Greece. This I is it. Yeah, 100%. Yes. You feel like the yeah, weight exactly. has been lifted off yeah. your shoulders. I'm like, this is amazing. We're off. And, and I'm like, hold on one sec. They're calling through. And I take it, and um, they say the now famous words, look, we could do this without you, but we don't want to. And so we end up going out to dinner, and at that point, I, I had nothing more to lose, right? So sure. I had felt like you, it's really weird the way that a community will shape your mind. Like, no matter who you are, like, I don't fall to peer pressure, mm -hmm. but when you agree to a belief system, yep. you will get sucked inside of it. And the belief system was we do whatever it took within our code of ethics sure. to build this company and make it profitable. And so that's what we were doing. And so I never felt like I could say, oh, actually, profitability is not my highest value mm -hmm. in business. My highest value is camaraderie. It's yeah. adding value to people's yeah. lives. So finally, I was like, uh, can we swear? It's all good. I was like, Fuck it. Like, yeah. there's nothing more for me to lose, right? <laughs> yes. So I was like, look, if you want to work with yep. me, then it's going to be about value creation. It's going to be about yeah. passion. Like, yes. this has got to be, because the struggle is guaranteed, the money is not. Yes. So I was like, if I know that, if I know that I could sh show up every day and work my ass off and never get where I want to yep. go, then I want to make sure that in and of itself, I love what we're doing and yeah. I don't love the software. So My whole base knows that I talk about all the time, feeling good is the number one priority. When well, you feel good, you perform good. Yeah. Everything, even if I'm not making money, I still feel good, right? So feeling good. So I love that. So you sold that business. This is actually one of the questions was, you, you, know, you sold the first business, then you guys started Quest. So I think it's important for people to get context for the ones that don't know you. Um, why did you guys start Quest? What was the mission of that company? Well, the mission was to end metabolic disease. And the reason that we started it was literally a, an ongoing part of that conversation. So if we're going to work together, it's got to be about passion, value creation, yep. community. I kept saying, I want to be myself. So we yeah. didn't have the words authenticity and transparency, sure. which people talk about yeah. now. Yes. But back in whatever, 2006, when we were going through this, yep. nobody was saying this stuff. Yes. And so Quest ends up being really a reaction to the way that we had done business before. So as I'm saying all this to them, they're mm -hmm. like, we actually agree. So mm -hmm. let's find something that we can all do and love and be passionate about. And for three very different reasons, but if you look at a Venn diagram, the, the area of overlap was nutrition. Got it. And so me, I grew up in a morbidly obese family. Mm -hmm. I wanted to save my mom and my sister. And I knew that telling them to eat less and exercise more wasn't going to work. No. Like, look, it works for a narrow band of people. And that's how I lost 60 pounds and have kept it off for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And it will work for anybody that's willing to put in the work, but especially with what's going on in the microbiome, like you may have just either genetic or epigenetic disadvantages that are going to make it brutally difficult. And then even if you don't, it's still hard. Yes. So there had to be a better way. So and we most wanna... people don't like to struggle. Yeah, that, that most is Most people sure. don't like to do the work. That is for sure. So you guys start this company and I think the number was 57,000% growth. Growth, yeah. Like number two all time on the Inc. 5000? Number two that year, yeah. I don't okay. know what it would put us all time. But... So, so you start a company based on fun and values and camaraderie and community and you end up building this monster business. Was, was that the origin? Or I mean, the product had to be great. The marketing had to be great. So the, the question I have is, and this was interesting because a bunch of our, our clients asked these questions, which we'll talk about also, is, is how did that growth occur? Looking backwards, what were the two or three things that every person watching this wants mm. to grow? Everybody wants to take their business from yeah. X to Y. What were those big takeaway lessons looking back on the growth of that business? Well, let me give you really tactical stuff. So Please. the fluffy stuff, like you guys are going to get they plenty get of that. Yeah. But um, so we broke the business down into three areas. So mm -hmm. there was product, 
process and people. Yeah. And so each one of us had one of those areas. So um, one of my partners was just way deep into nutrition. Like I consider myself a nutritional influencer, not a nutritional expert. Yeah. He was a nutritional expert. Mm -hmm. The other one was an, literally an Iowa farm boy and he knew how to, because what we ended up doing was, so we had 57,000% growth, which is impressive. Mm -hmm. um, but it's freakish and unheard of when you think about the fact that we were our own manufacturer. So this yes. is 57,000% growth when you're scaling from a making things by hand in a kitchen to scaling up to over 300,000 square feet and mm -hmm. millions and millions of dollars of equipment and yeah. engineering it yourself and all that. So like that was one of the biggest things that we did. And then we were doing social media before virtually anybody else. So when people were like, oh, is Facebook a distraction? We were literally building a studio inside yep. of our company and saying content creation is the only way I can see to add lasting value. Yep. Um, which obviously makes sense with what I'm doing now, but I was already thinking this back then in 2009. Okay. 2006 okay. was sort of the emotional crisis. Yeah. Then we finally start this company really getting serious in 2009. We launched in 2010. Got it. So at that point, we were like, we're all in. So we, even before we launched the company, we said the only marketing we're going to do is going to be social. Mm -hmm. And so that was at a time where nobody was doing that. So that you allowed us betting to, your company on it. Correct. So what were the early findings of that, of it? Like, what, like if you're, every one of these people I've talked to about content creation, they, mm. they met Gary Vee in 2009. He was like, you need to do your own real estate show at five right. o'clock every yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. So they've been very blessed to be super exposed, but you, know, you, you basically built a billion dollar business. So looking back on some of those social strategies, what were some of the key things tactically you did that you'd recommend for every one of the people watching? Yeah, so here's the thing, and oh man, this is so, I, I, I'm gonna move quickly past the fluff. You need to fall in love with your like adding real value. Yes. But like, yes. I mean that on a neurochemical level, like yes. you actually need to seep yourself in, yeah. in saying, so we were talking before mm -hmm. we started. So um, I do these things I call endless Q and A's. So mm -hmm. if I'm invited to speak, which I'm gonna be speaking to you guys in January. Yes. If I'm invited to speak, my promise to everybody is I will stay until the last question has been answered. Mm -hmm. So I've done this for 11 hours before without taking a bathroom break, nothing. I stand there for 11 hours straight and answer questions. Yes. And I do that because I want people to understand, like I'm prepared to really add value to your life because mm -hmm. I've actually fallen in love with the notion of what I call pulling people out of the matrix. Yes. Which is We're gonna just, get to that. Right, limiting belief systems. Yeah. So getting yeah, them yeah. to shut that off. So once you fall in love, then it's like, okay, what does your community care about? So mm -hmm. oftentimes your marketing isn't gonna be just your product, but we gave a lot of product away yep. that was huge. Mm -hmm. So if you can build a business by giving away your product, that's a really great yep. place to be in. Yep. So we did a lot of that. And then we did a huge influencer strategy. So we were going out to people that we knew would understand our product. Mm -hmm. We knew that we were doing something different. Having a good product is, is, is paramount. You have to have yes. that. And so we had a great product. We sent it to those people and we didn't ask them to say anything specific. So mm -hmm. a lot of people would send a contract and say, hey, we need you to make this many mentions or whatever in exchange for free product or yeah. whatever. We didn't do that. We said, here's a ton of free product. Give it away, eat it, whatever you want to do. Tell us what you think. Tell us what, tell yeah. the world what you think. Even better. So if you hate it, tell them you hate it. Like that's yeah. very okay. We yes. just want people talking about it. Yes. And so we believed in it enough that we thought, okay, on the vast majority of people, let's call it 98%, are gonna say something positive. Mm -hmm. And so we just asked them to say something. And so we not only gained a reputation of having a good product, we gained a reputation of not trying to like hem them in. Mm -hmm. And that, cause we, we got like intuitively what influencers were about, which is that you have an authentic relationship to your yes. community. So right, put me back in context. So I'm rebelling against the being a slick marketer, using mm -hmm. fear tactics to yep. sell, like people are stealing Software, information from exactly. your company, you know what yeah. I mean? Which is where we were. Yeah. So I was like, man, forget that. Like yeah. I remember the first time somebody found a hair on their bar and I remember they sent a photo and I was like, oh, that's gross. 
And so when I wrote them back, I said, that's really disgusting. Like, I'm horrified for you, and I'm mm -hmm. horrified for our company, and obviously we're going to need to do an audit and yeah. all of that stuff. And they published that on the internet, and were like, if only every company would act like this. Because I didn't say this is somehow your fault or Are like, you dodge sure? the blame. Yeah. I was just like, that's yeah. nasty. I can't imagine. <laughs> like, I know what that's like, right? We've all had yes. like a bit of hair. Please don't send that to me. Throw right. it in the trash. 100%. Yeah, exactly. So people were like, God, like, these guys are really just doing business differently. Yes. And the irony, when we started, we didn't know if Quest would be us throwing away the money that we'd made in mm -hmm. software or mm -hmm. if it would work. But we ended up, Quest made more in a single day than our previous company made annually. Wow. So it was like, I mean, it's crazy. So yeah, taking care of people is just huge. Evangelize with your customer support, that's massive. Don't mm -hmm. just treat them well, actually evangelize them. Where you know yes. when they hang up with you or they get done with that email, that they will not be able to stop themselves from telling 10 people about you. Because they're just like, this is unreal. Um, one of my favorite things was we had somebody write in and say, um, you guys left the package on my front door and my dog got out and ate it. I want a refund. Mm -hmm. And I was like, mm, we didn't leave the package on your front door. That would be FedEx. And then we didn't let your dog out. That would be you. Yes. But I know that's not going to evangelize you. No. So we said, absolutely. In fact, we're going to refund you and send you a replacement mm -hmm. um, because we knew just going over the top that... And I read, I think it was about Best Buy, because they had like a really aggressive refund policy. Mm -hmm. And they said, look, there are what they call demon customers who are just abusing the system. Yeah. But if you take care of them, you'll inadvertently take care of everybody else. Yes. And so I was like, yeah, I know some people are taking advantage of us, and it doesn't matter, because that way you can really help the people that care the most. So we talk a lot with our members about, we believe that you know, it's always about solve the biggest problems that customers have. Create content that answers the questions that are going on. Be, be the hub, mm. be the voice of reason for them. Don't always be like, hey, do you want to buy and sell? But instead, like, just bring value every single day. Bring value every day and inadvertently, you're going to get referrals and right. you're going to get positive reviews. Um, so we live in this sort of review-based culture, right? Starting in um, maybe seven or eight years ago, Zillow, the company is yeah. one of our, you know, they, they sponsor a bunch of our events, been friends for a long time. So they say, we're going to launch reviews, what do you think? And I was like, yes, 1,000%. And early on, agents mm. freaked about that, that level of transparency that you're talking about. And today, they do. So Tom, one of the reasons why you want to sell your home with me is I have 93 right. reviews yeah, on yeah. Zillow. So there were so many lessons in that conversation. I want to switch gears. Um, you talk about, and I'm probably misquoting this, but in the opening of the impact there, you say, everyone has potential, but having it is not the same as doing something with it. Mm. You have been exposed to all these, these extraordinary thinkers, athletes, rock stars, but they all are doing something with their potential. If I asked you, what are the two or three most important ahas from all these interviews you've done? What would they be? The biggest aha for me is, is the consistency with which people are saying the same things. Mm -hmm. And that was, so the reason the show started originally back at Quest, it was called Inside Quest. And mm -hmm. I wanted to show, like I had, I'd written these 25 bullet points, which mm -hmm. I now call the impact theory belief system. Yeah. And hey, I by was, the way, if they email you, can they get a copy of that? They can. What's your email? Connect at impacttheory.com. Connect at impacttheory.com. Yep. You're, you're going to get a bunch of emails. This will be fun. Send them in. Good. Can they ask questions too? Absolutely. Since you do 11-hour Q&As? Of course, of course. All right. Okay, good. Keep going. Sorry. Um, so I, 
I was really afraid that people would memorize the bullet points and they'd come up and say things like, hey, number 13 is this, yeah, yeah. and not live them. Yeah. And so that was exactly what was happening. And the funny thing is, like, I don't even know what number 13 is because yeah. I'm, I didn't memorize them. That was literally me going, what did I do to my mind to actually get where I'm at yes. now? Boom, I just wrote them down and I live by them. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to make sure people were living by them. And then it's like the, you never listen to the parent as much as you listen to somebody that you really like, mm -hmm like obsessed peer, with a rock a star or whatever, and, yeah, right? Whatever, so yeah. uh, wanted to bring on all those people so that they would see. I said, look, unprompted. I will never like ask people to say a certain thing on the show. Yeah. Watch. They're going to say some variation of the 25 bullet points over and over yeah. and over because they're the universal principles of success. Yep. And of course, that's what started happening. And so that consistency of growth mindset, you've got to have grit, you've got mm -hmm. to push through when things get difficult, it's got to be something you have passion for because passion is the energy that's going to pull you through. Yeah. I mean, it's just like over and over, over and over, you yep. hear these same things. It's pretty pretty incredible. So so let's talk about this because we're both fans of, of Carol Dweck's work. I'd be, I'd be curious what you would say to someone that's watching right now who says, Tom, I'm not in a fixed mindset, but they've been earning the same exact amount mm -hmm. of income for three years in a row. Or, or the market makes an adjustment and they feel that they have to go down in production because the market made an adjustment, mm. right? It's, it's a subtle fixed mindset, but it's a fixed mindset nonetheless. Yeah. So what would you just like, if you said, hey, here's Tom Bilyeu's three tips to change your mindset from fixed to growth, what would you say? One is, it, like any good recovery mm -hmm. program, admit that you have a problem. Step one. So, and I <laughs> yes. think that's where really most people fall down. And Carol yeah. actually talks about that in the book, what she calls the false growth mindset, mm -hmm. where you believe in the principles. You yep. love them, man. This yeah. sounds amazing. Yes. Like, who doesn't want to have a growth mindset? And then the reality is that you don't respond to everything with a growth mindset. And she talks about it being a scale, and I think that's yes. probably the most realistic way to look mm -hmm. at it. Um, so recognize you have a problem. That's step number one. Number two, recognize, and this is my like big driver. I don't even mm -hmm. know that Carol will back mm -hmm. me up on this, but this is my obsession. Mm -hmm. Humans are the ultimate adaptation machine. So mm -hmm. when they first decoded the human genome, they thought, well, this is going to be it. This is going to solve every problem. No more cancer, yeah. diabetes. It's all yeah. going away. And yes. then nothing changed. And they were like, huh, this is weird. We've only identified 20,000 genes, but an onion has 40,000. So are we really meant to believe that an onion is more biologically complicated than a human being? And they're like, that doesn't make sense. And you know, it is a little weird that we have all this junk DNA, unlike mm -hmm. other species. Mm -hmm. um, is it possible that junk DNA actually does something? And then of course, over the years, they've realized that junk DNA, what it actually is, is epigenetic signaling. So humans have this overwhelming number of markers for how to express mm -hmm. those 20,000 genes. Yep. Is it a little? Is it a lot? Is it on? Is it off? So there's that introduces a level of complexity and nuance that just has never before been seen in, the, in any species. So mm -hmm. what we do is adapt. Mm -hmm. And that's why you can find our species at anywhere on the globe, unlike any other species. Yep. So also, like think about a horse when it's first born, right? It can walk immediately and run. Yep. Whereas humans are a lump of flesh for over a year. I mean, literally, when they're born, they can't hold their own yes. head up. So we, you've got two options if you're nature. One, pre-program everything, but they, they have no variability. They're not mm -hmm. going to change. Or predispose them for adaptation so that, mm -hmm. hey, we're going to give you raw materials, and then your environment is going to shape you based on where you are. Yes. So you have maximum flexibility. That's humans. So once you believe, boys and girls, that you are a human and that humans are the ultimate adaptation machine, then it's merely a question of, am I willing to put in the work? Because the only way that we Thank adapt you. is through stressors. Yep. So like you go into a gym to break the muscle down, right, to put yourself into that fight or flight, to mm -hmm. literally give your body the signal, adapt or die. Yep. Once you give your body that 
signal. It will adapt, it will change if you put yourself through that. So the growth mindset isn't just thinking it's cool, it's like really an obsession to say, okay, the only way that I'm going to get better and adapt and evolve in the direction that I wanna go, it's not enough to believe that. Now you have to put yourself through that process. And once you fall in love with that process, then it becomes a lot, a lot easier because the pain of recognizing that you're wrong is really just a stepping stone to, to doing something even better. So for instance, the big reason you've stalled out at a million dollars may not even be growth mindset or otherwise. It's that that's what you think you're meant to have or that mm -hmm. you're capable of and you're not putting yourself in the I have no more time. I can't do anymore, right. which is all a fixed mindset. Correct. Versus, you know, a, a lot of the questions that, you know, we want to ask you um, on our Facebook page is people are talking about how do I grow to the next level? Right. You know, does he, does he hire more people? Like some of that stuff. Sure. So the first one, again, I want to go back to is awareness. Second one, for me, it's always been environment. Like if we put ourselves in an environment where we have to adapt, we're gonna adapt. And I think a lot of our clients, when they- Well, I'll stop you yeah, there. Yeah, please. Um, if you put yourself in an environment where you have to adapt, most people will break. Really? So 100%. And if you've been dealing with high level performers for yeah. too long, like let me tell you, the vast majority of the universe break under bad circumstances. The, like 99.8%, mm -hmm. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yes. The number of people that go into a bad situation and they are stuck forever, yeah. or it literally just eats them alive. So think about the inner cities. I, I'm thinking about putting them in the right environment, mm -hmm. the right environment to grow, right? Whether it's a, a mastermind group or attending a training or just creating a better environment that's more creative in their workspace. Right, I'm nothing about dropping them off in the inner cities. Right. But go there, go there. So, well, the reason I use the inner cities as an example is it's taking people that haven't done the work to develop a mindset because they don't even know it exists, mm -hmm. and then just looking at what does an environment do to that raw potential for adaptation. Yeah. And the vast majority, the inner cities are a black hole that literally they can't escape. And so you get very few people. So think of Jay-Z, mm -hmm. um, grew up, in a very hard neighborhood, shot his own brother, uh, goes into drug dealing as a way to get out, and then becomes a, a mogul, and I mean, really just does incredible yeah. things in the music industry, and, and it's absolutely astonishing. Mm -hmm. um, name 15 more. No. Right, you can't. No. So it's, it's literally crazy when you think about the n millions, millions of people mm -hmm. go through the inner cities and virtually nobody comes out the other side as a, as a real success. So that to me is just, it's just a way to test the hypothesis of what happens to raw material when mm -hmm. put in a bad environment. So now my thing is, if, if you don't do the work to develop the growth mindset, develop mm -hmm. principles, have a belief system, even if I put you into that environment that you're talking about, mm -hmm. most people will exit. Mm -hmm. So that, and that honestly, that is the fundamental pursuit of my life is to find out what can you do to prime people so that if you put them into the environment that you're talking yeah. about, that they, they don't run. Have you read Ray Dalio's Principles? Just started it. Yeah. Oh my God, it's so yeah. good. Yeah. It, one of the most important books I've ever read, so everybody get on yeah. that. And he says 30% of the people that come into his environment, which is about total transparency, yes. radical candor. The dot system and yes, yes. 30% of yep. them just can't. Flare out. So if 30% of even high performers can't handle radical candor, uh -huh. yeah. it's pretty tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty tough. So environmental stress, putting them in the right environment. Most are gonna break down and fail if they're in the wrong environment, I totally get that. Doing the work. Um, one of the things that I've noticed in a lot of your interviews, so many of the people, David Goggins, right, who we had at our summit this year was phenomenal. Um, they talk about doing the work to change the mindset. Have, have you figured out any simple hacks or you know, two or three principles that the average person could just say, I can take that on as a daily routine, which is a lot of the questions we got from our members, like mm. what's his daily routine? How does he stay so sharp? Yeah. 
So any insight there? Well, daily routine's easy, um, and, and we'll go to that. Let me give you one thing before that that I think sure. will really get you what you're looking for. So the number one hack in my mm -hmm. life is what you build your self-esteem around matters. Yes. And this was one of those breakthroughs in my life where I was like, whoa, I realized. So I had been telling everybody from the time that, literally the time I was 11, mm -hmm. that I was gonna be rich. Yeah. And so here I am and I'm now working with these um, two entrepreneurs and I'm fighting for this idea because it's mine and I wanna feel smart. I don't have that clarity at the time. I just know mm -hmm. they're literally, you know that sometimes you have a voice in your head screaming at you, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, but you just yep. keep plowing ahead. Yep. So the voice is screaming, you're wrong, you're wrong. I knew my partners were right and I finally convinced them. And then I had this like moment of crisis of, oh, I I'm just got what I thought idea. I wanted, right. But yeah. I know this idea moves me away from what I say is my goal, which is to get rich. Yeah. So it was one of those where now I'm sitting down and I'm going, what do I actually want? Mm -hmm. Because if I just want to feel good about myself, mm -hmm. then I need to change my life. Because working with these guys does not make me feel good about myself. They're mm -hmm. way smarter than me. Mm -hmm. They're way ahead of me in the entrepreneurial game. So every day is just like failure after failure after failure. It, it literally was emotionally draining. Yes. So if I just want to feel good about myself, quit immediately and go back to being what I called the king of remedial Mail jobs. jobs. Yes. So and that. Like if that's the life that I actually secretly want, then great, just own it and go do it, right? Mm -hmm. I, like, literally, I don't pass judgment on what life people wanna live yeah. as long as it's congruent with what they say to themselves and the actions they're taking. So if that's what I want, go do that. And if it's not and I actually wanna get rich, then stop being a dumbass and recognize that whether the idea was yours or not, if it's the right answer, you should get behind it. And so then I was like, but I'm not gonna feel good about myself. I need to feel good about myself. So then I was like, well, could I, build my self-esteem, my pride, my ego around something else. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, I'm building my ego around being right, being smart, um, being quick, and all of that is very fragile because as soon as I'm around somebody faster, smarter, better than and me, I feel terrible about it, yeah. always, right? Yeah. So could I build it to being the learner, always being willing to admit when I was wrong, to do it really fast, to be able to put energy behind someone else's idea, all the while giving them the credit that this is their idea, but I just know it's so good. Mm -hmm. And could I, 30 seconds before, be fighting vehemently for something I believe in, but then be convinced and go, I now see your point, I was wrong, you're right, let's go. Yeah. And if I could do that and then allowed myself to be proud of that, what would that do? Because I think people need pride. I think pride fuels you. I think mm -hmm. it gets you up. I think it gives you energy and enthusiasm. So people need to be proud. Like I tell people, I have the biggest ego in the world, but I build it around something that's anti-fragile and that's always moving me towards my goals, which is identifying the right answer. Is there a book or a process? Because you, you clearly went through a process, self-identification. This is how I built my self-esteem. Right. That doesn't work. This is what I'm going to choose to do now. Was there a process or a book or something there, that- There was. If they're, if they're watching that going, God, he's talking to me, but how do I do it? Yeah, so the honest answer, and this isn't a plug, we didn't talk about it before, but I'm writing a book um, right now, literally about nice. this, about what nice. process I went through. Um, and you can download the belief system at impacttheory.com, yes. uh, which will walk people through. So the 25 things that I did Good. to my mind yes. in order to um, be successful. So yeah, th that's the process. I'm turning it into a full-blown book. Dalio's Principles, while a little bit sort of later stage, mm -hmm has a similar vibe to it of how you should be thinking about things. Um, so I think that also is incredibly valuable. Awesome. Okay, we're gonna go different direction again. Do you want me to do morning routine? I wanna do morning routine. Yeah, let's do that and then I wanna do the matrix. Okay, so I'll go fast yes. in morning routine. Goes like this. What time you go to bed matters. So yep. your morning routine actually starts the night before. I go to bed at 9 p.m. like it's a religion. Mm -hmm. I sleep as much as I need. I haven't used an alarm in mm -hmm. 
15 years. Mm -hmm. uh, so I get whatever, usually it's five to six hours. I get up, I immediately go to the gym. I mm -hmm. go to, uh, and I only give myself 10 minutes to get out of bed because I have a personal weakness for that. Mm -hmm. uh, so I have a bright line. Mm -hmm. The bright line is 10 minutes or less, period. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. Go. I immediately go to the gym. I work out for about an hour, five days a week, whether I want to or not, mm -hmm. which I never do because I hate working out. You like the bowl of ice cream instead. I love that line. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> I don't even understand people that would choose anything else. Exactly. The endorphins but, that people get from yeah. running, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. Don't understand it. So, so I work out, then I meditate. Mm -hmm. And the reason I meditate right after that mm -hmm. is to practice going from the sympathetic nervous system of fight or flight to yep. the parasympathetic nervous system of rest and digest, which is what's happening when people are getting anxious. They're mm -hmm. not able to consciously move from yeah. fight or flight to resting. So I practice that and then I do what I call thinkitating, which is mm -hmm. where I'm taking that alpha wave brain state, which mm -hmm. is calm and creative, mm -hmm. that you get into when you meditate to think about whatever big problem I have in my business. And then I read and then usually that takes me to you know, I'm still like seven, so nobody mm -hmm. has arrived yet. Yeah. And then I immediately go to my important things list. So what are the most important things I could be doing to move my business forward? It's never about thinking, it's always about action. Mm -hmm. And I just boom, 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 take action. And then by the time the first employee shows up, then meetings start and the day really begins. But there are times where I'll get seven to eight hours of work done before the first employee shows up. 100%. So tell me about the nine o'clock, why nine? Um, it allows me to wake up at around 3 or 4 a.m., which mm -hmm. gives me a lot of quiet hours. And usually my last employee doesn't leave the office until about 7.30. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm always first in, last out. So just about how it works out. Yeah, nice. So uh, I'm obsessed with The Matrix. You are beyond obsessed with yeah, The Matrix. Could right. you please help them understand your the, the impact that The Matrix has had on you and part of your vision? Yeah, so um, recently started a studio called Impact Theory. Um, and our whole goal is to pull people out of the matrix. The matrix is just a great metaphor. I don't actually yeah. think we live in a simulation. No. Um, despite the some people do that. Yes. Odds. Yes. Um, so I'm not worried about that. I don't care whether we do or not. But I do think it's a great metaphor for limiting beliefs. And mm -hmm. so there's a point in the movie where he does his jump. You have to let it all go, Neo. Fear, doubt, and disbelief. Free your mind. And they're like, everybody falls the first time. And of course he does fall the first yes. time because he doesn't believe. And then yeah. at the end of the movie, simply by finally believing in himself, he's able to do these incredible things. So that to me is exactly what we all go through. Humans lead with belief. So mm -hmm. it's not enough to be good at something. If you think you're bad at it, then you're gonna act like you're bad at it. Mm -hmm. But if you believe you can learn, which is all anybody needs to believe about themselves, mm -hmm. you don't have to think that you're already capable or extraordinary. You just have to believe you can become mm -hmm. capable mm -hmm. of the extraordinary. Yeah. So that you'll take that first step and really go down that path. So that movie to me is, is the perfect analogy. Um, and it gave me the framework to begin thinking about my own life. In the movie, there's a sense of um, Neo saying, I could do more, I could be more, but like I'm trapped by something and I don't know what that something is, which mm -hmm. in the movie, of course, ends up being the Matrix. For me, I had that same feeling. I was like, I could be doing more with my life and I don't know what's holding me back. I literally didn't know. It yeah. wasn't like, I had all the clarity. There was no YouTube back then. No. Nobody's telling me, it's your mindset, yeah, kid. Exactly. Like, so I literally had no idea. So finding that and realizing it, and I believe that we can, on a global scale, impact people's belief systems through media. And right mm -hmm. now, media is all over the place. Um, so I want, through social content, of doing exactly what we're doing right now, which is right on the nose, talking about it, which is the equivalent of eat less and exercise more. Yep. It will work, but for a very narrow band of the population. Yep. And then there's movies. Go to be entertained, but the characters that you look up through go through that traditional 
excuse me, hero's journey struggle, and they learn, and they go through the emotional crisis, and they come out the other side, finally believing in themselves and able to do something. So I think by only telling one kind of story, we can pull people out of the matrix by giving them a more empowered belief system, even if they're not looking for it or even antagonistic against it. Mm -hmm. It's interesting you're talking about uh, belief system and they, you know, they want to be extraordinary, but the question is, can you learn to be extraordinary? And I love that because I'm all about cause and effect. Too many people are focusing on, I want the effect, I want the result, but they're not willing to do the work. Right. So I love that, that's just a great little distinction. Um, as we get near wrapping up, if there, was, if there was just one message, let's say this, you know, 100,000 real estate agents around the world watch this. What would be the one thing you would want to share if they never got a chance to, to read a comic book from you or watch a movie or see something on television? Mm. What would be that one message? Yeah, my one message is, is something we've already talked about, which is what you build your self-esteem around matters. So I'm going to give you something else, which mm -hmm. is embrace, uh, you had David Goggins, embrace yeah. the suck, right? Yeah. And the only people that are really going to succeed are the ones that find the power in that, that realize mm -hmm. that for the human animal to adapt, to grow, to get better, you've got to be willing to suffer and push past the pain point, the difficulty, yep. the boredom, yeah. which is something a lot of people don't see coming, to be able to push through all of that because you want and believe in that thing you're trying to create so much mm -hmm. that you'll, you know, to quote the mate, or um, Shawshank Redemption, you would literally crawl through a river of shit to get to the other side. Yeah. Like, and finding that thing. And I don't think most people are actually excited by the vision of their own future. And because they're not excited, they're actually not trying to make it happen. Can we talk about a dirty secret? Yeah, please. Most of you don't want what you say you want. Like, they don't. And like, deep down in them, there's something that they, that could be, and, and this is the problem, it could be an ember of something that could turn into a raging fire. Yeah. And they think that there's gonna, they're gonna dig around and uncover a raging fire. It doesn't work like that. You mm -hmm. build a raging fire through yeah. a process. Yeah. Most people aren't excited enough about their future, which is why they don't have the energy to push, which is why they don't have the desperation to mm -hmm. find the path, because mm -hmm. they're not excited enough by it. Yeah. So if people took the time to develop that excitement, they really would be able to do something extraordinary. And if you haven't done what you want in your life, it's all your fault. There it is. Personal responsibility. 100%. Well, I gotta tell you, this is, uh, this is gonna be a talked about show. This was very insightful, very powerful. So uh, I, have a, I have a prediction. I think there's going to be a lot of comments. Um, I don't know if you ever, I mean, you're on YouTube all the time, yeah, so yeah, yeah. you should absolutely jump in and see what people are saying Definitely. about this. Um, but I want to just say to everybody watching right now, this is probably one of those you need to, I don't know, hit the rewind button on YouTube and watch it six or seven times. And then I would encourage you to think about who are the two to three people that matter most to you? Who are the people that, that you know, have always, have always been a positive light for you, but they're just, they're stuck. They're stuck in the matrix. They're stuck in a fixed mindset that maybe watching this video would be just that thing they need to unlock and to become free and to really become happy again. And boy, if you gave them that gift, that'd be pretty awesome. No so Tom, thank you so much, man. I Thanks really appreciate your time and sharing. Awesome. And hey guys, remember always your strategy matters. And now more than ever, whew, getting out of the matrix, that's what rules.